We are back, baby. We are back. That's we right. are back. You are looking live. We get after it. You know, we jabber jaw. We go tit for tat. We have our little differences. Let's get funky like a monkey. And here we go. Hello and welcome to the Moose and Moons podcast. This is episode 190 of the pod. Alongside Matt Mooney, I am Joe Musso, and we are coming down the stretch in the NFL season. Matt, this is the usual time of the season where we get sad a little bit, even though yep, it's most exciting sad. games, most exciting teams. Uh, really no doubting that the eight best teams were on display last weekend and that we get the top four here. Chalky, one and two on both sides of it. We end up with the Bills and the Kansas City Chiefs, the Green Bay Packers, and no, the, the Bucks Tampa are, Bay Bucket. Bucks, Bucks are not, not chalk. No, Bucks Saints were, were chalk. Uh, Bucks were five. Saints would have yeah. been chalk, but it, it, that never it's felt Tom Brady, right. so Tom Brady's always chalk. And, and we and we talked about it. The Saints, the Saints never felt like the two seed to me. Not just because of that result against the Bears in the wild card round. Um, Drew Brees is down for an extended part of the season. He comes back. The arm isn't there. We, we saw that here this last Sunday. Uh, everything was a lollipop. Everything was a touch ball. Inability to drive the ball anywhere down the field and kind of a sad scene because likely that's the last time we will see Drew Brees playing NFL football. Um, fantastic career. And I mean, we can approach this from a myriad of different angles here, but we're going to break down these, uh, these games we saw last weekend, move it ahead to next weekend, uh, give you some, uh, give you some early leans uh, just to, you know, get out in front of the story here, Matt. Oh, I got a great, I got a great lock. It's though. over. I got the, a great the, lock the white, for this week. You do have a great lock. That's a tease for later in the show. But the white flag has been waved. I mean, the white Matthew, flag was waved last week. Um, yeah, it I, was. I, I, That's I, fair. The white flag was waved when I made my pick. I, I said last week on the pot, I like the Packers, so I'm taking the Rams. And, of course, yeah. that's why the Rams to the Packers. You went against went your own logic. Big, but it's just, whatever. Just, just wasn't just meant to, some, sometimes it's not meant to be, Joe. It's yeah. just not meant to be, and it, it wasn't meant to be for me. It's okay. It Ma- happens. Mathematical, we have mathematical elimination has been thrust upon Matt Rooney here. Joe Musso, your winner of the year-long Your golf balls are, are, have been ordered. That's fantastic. Order that's just, ordered, that's yes, just a great thing to hear. Um, again, I'm, I'm a man just, of honor. I'm, I'm just looking for – I'm just focused on a better than 500 record now, sitting at 10, 8, and 1. I could lose these last two weeks, go home 10, 10, and 1, but we don't want 500. I mean, that's technically above 500, 10, 10, and 1. But, but not, you know, it's not really, you know. Yeah. It's 500. We're looking, isn't for, it? we're looking for big winners. So 10, 10, 10, and 1 exactly 500? Yeah, the tie keeps don't it you have to, But don't you have to figure the one in there somehow? Well, yeah, it just keeps you at a tie. A tie doesn't put you over okay, 500. Yes, yes, yes. But, but, but the point is I want to be above 500. Gotcha. Okay, yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Got yeah, yes. That's, uh, uh, Matt's sitting at 7 and 12. He is aiming for 7 and 13 this week, yeah. trying to lose his pick. Uh, that That's a little bit of a tease here. But let's jump into this divisional round. And, you know, we already started talking Brady we'll Breeze start where we where we left off there with Brady Breeze? Yeah, I, I guess the way I want to approach this one, Matt, is um, – the way that Tom Brady performed uh, in this moment, now headed to his 14th conference championship game. Is this, you know, everyone's talking about the Super Bowl being so important for Aaron Rodgers because he's only got one. Uh, it would have been so important for Breeze because he's only got one. It would be important for Mahomes to further his legacy and start his run towards perhaps that six that Tom Brady has. It would be important for Josh Allen to get his first. Tom Brady this whole season was about him leaving New England and trying to be successful elsewhere. Do you feel that that box has been checked already despite what happens here this coming Sunday? Yeah, 100%. Um, he's in the NFC Championship game. He's playing a conference championship game for in the, the third different decade he's played in a mm-hmm. conference championship game. I mean, obviously, Super Bowls were always the standard in New England. 
But if you look at their run, it was we're going to be in the AFC Championship game and have a chance from there no matter what. And he's kind of followed that up. He's 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 met that again. Standards not the right word, but that was almost like a requirement there. And I think seeing what the granted the Patriots had a lot of opt outs this year, and I don't think this year was necessarily was even close to a, we're going all in. We're trying to win a Super Bowl this year, um, but. You, you look at what he's doing in Tampa, and it's it's fairly clear that obviously Bill Belichick's a great coach. Tom Brady's a great quarterback. They were a great match, but um, I think Tom's proven that he can succeed away from Bill, and that it was this wasn't you know he had a great coach. That's the only reason he was good, kind of thing. Yeah, not just that, and I agree with everything you just said there. But the fact, the way that he's doing it, um, he he didn't he didn't go to Tampa and Bruce Arians changed for him. He changed for Bruce Arians, yeah. and when we talk about the arm strength of Drew Brees being visibly um, less than Tom's less is still than, there. It, not only is it still there, we saw it decline a couple of years ago. It, it's rejuvenated. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's gone to the fountain of youth, and he's allowed himself to become a downfield passer again. He's f- not forced himself, but he's again molded his game into a different type of offensive attack here because of the weapons that he has. Antonio Brown, obviously he's questionable, mm-hmm. only had one reception that game, got a little bit of a knee issue. Uh, Mike Evans being the downfield threat. He was Chris Godwin being the downfield threat. Guys were dropping balls uh, on Sunday, and Tom Brady's still getting the job done. If these guys can be sure-handed, I, I don't see why they can't represent the NFC. I don't see why they can't go vie for a Super Bowl once again and Tom Brady is what 21st 21st year in the 21st season in the NFL believe that's correct yeah something like that um so yeah I mean just that was my big takeaway from that one is that the timelessness of Tom Brady is once again on display I think when you saw early on in the season especially when they struggled Bruce Arians is a little bit of a stubborn guy Tom Brady can be a little bit of a stubborn guy I think there was a little bit of butting heads obviously the offensive philosophy for Tom coming from New England was more of the, the Dink and dunk isn't the right word, but the the shorter stuff and kind of you know death by a million cuts, where Bruce always mm-hmm. wants to push the ball down the field, as you'd expect two people who are great at their profession to do. They've kind of found that mix of what they want to do with their offense. It seems like they've kind of incorporated both, um, you know, favorites from both uh, both parties there into the offense, and they've they've kind of met in the middle. And like you said, Tom Brady can still push the ball downfield, and it obviously helps when we have those weapons. Uh, and he absolutely showed that on Sunday. He's 45 now, right? No, 43, right? 43. It, it, it was amazing to see how he's he's not Tom of you know Randy Moss 16 and 0 Tom, but he's still got it and he's still capable of pushing the ball down the field. Like you said, it was yeah, stark contracts on, contrast on the other side. I mean, arguably, that's the one. Th- I mean, if you look at the game on Sunday, the Saints were mostly the better team. They just didn't have a quarterback that could push the ball and kind of threaten the Bucks vertically. The one time they wanted to, they had to go to Jameis on a trick play. That's, I think, ultimately what ended up costing the Saints. Matt Nagy's trick play, too. Yeah, yeah just People rub forget. it in my face even more. People forget. Do, those do you know Cody Parkey's five for six on kicks in the playoffs, Joe? <laughs> yeah, Fucking but he's asshole. also going home. So I, uh, I'm just, I just, I was bringing up another Bears. That, that that's a little surly fun. here uh, this this Tuesday morning as we record this podcast. Tired episode this morning. one that's okay, ninety. Though. Yeah, what time? What time did you get home last night, Matt? Uh, I got home around eleven. Was up for 11. a while. Well, I was 11. up for a while. 
I walked in the door at 2 a.m., all right? Hey, you can thank the Warriors. Don't, don't, you can thank the Warriors and the Lakers for that one, but I'm here, all right? So okay, that's it. fair, but don't so tell me there it. haven't been a couple mornings, exp- you know, the, the one you admitted last week that you were a little bit scatterbrained. Still You're brought it. all over the place. I'm still, still bringing it. it. I'm still bringing it. I haven't still missed Still an entertainer. Just because I'm a little bit more surly this morning doesn't mean I'm not bringing it. Let's keep things in the NFC. Green Bay uh, taking <clears> down the Rams 32-18. to 18. Uh, If there's a... If there's a scariest team right now, if there's a team that's clicking on all cylinders, if there's a team that uh, looks to be, I'm not going to use the word unstoppable, but the most prolific team mm-hmm. right now offensively, without a doubt for me, is the Green Bay Packers. It's not the Kansas City Chiefs. It's not the the Buffalo Bills who struggled and just amassed 17 points this last weekend. The Green Bay Packers are an absolute offensive juggernaut, and this is an offensive grouping that we stood here, pointed fingers at, and laughed at prior to the season because they failed to go get a wide receiver. Nonetheless, Aaron Rodgers puts up MVP numbers. He's got Devontae Adams clicking on all cylinders. He's making a guy in Robert Tunyon look like a freaking all-pro. He's making guys like uh, Amon Ross St. Brown, or excuse me, uh, Equinemius uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Brown. Um, Amon Ross St. Brown's entering the draft. Yes. And then Osiris St. Brown. Osiris St. Brown is the third uh, brother at Stanford, in Stanford, I think, right? At Stanford. Yeah. So, yeah, Equinemius, Amon Ra, and Osiris. God bless you. Yeah. Um, but we get away from the point here. Aaron Rodgers, uh, an absolute game-breaker right now. It's unfortunate. and we, it, I mean, it's not unfortunate as NFL fans, but it's unfortunate as Bear fans. And I texted you that, you know, this is – this is the final kick in the stones of the season. Is watching the Green Bay Packers likely go to the NFC cha- or likely go to the Super Bowl after winning the NFC Championship game and have a chance to win the whole damn thing? Uh, the dream that we've shared as Bears fans for our entire lives, we get to watch our enemy live it out mm-hmm. once again. Yeah, and it just seems like one of those years too, where everything's kind of falling in line for the Packers. Um, mm-hmm. uh, they they get the Rams this week, coming off a big week against the you know played great game against the Seahawks. But Aaron Donald's not going to be healthy, so you don't really have to deal with him. I mean, you know, obviously, they're still going to have to beat Tom Brady, but they're getting him at home. And then, you know, you, you look and if they advance to the Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes might not be 100% healthy. So they might not, he's probably going to play this week, but there's a chance that he might not even have to face the Chiefs. It just seems like everything's falling into place for Green Bay, and it makes me really, really sad. Yeah. It's more sad about nicely. football almost being over. I'm, I'm it, more sad it, that the Packers might win. It's lining up nicely, but at the same time, you have to appreciate they, what they're doing. Like the the, the way their it, offense is the, running, the right offense now, and the, the defense. The defense has played their best football yes. here at the end of the season, which is important as well when you're facing some of these other prolific offenses. Now, I'm not saying Los Angeles Rams we're going to come out here and threaten to score 40 points because of um, the uh, the status of. Uh, Jared Goff's thumb, the status of Cooper Cup being unavailable, mm-hmm. the status of it being that one 30 hurt. degrees not out at Lambeau. Cup, not having Cooper Cup and having him ruled out kind of late, I think, was kind uh, of the ultimate dagger there for the Rams. You could tell me you could tell me about the Terminator that is Aaron Donald up front. He was not himself. Uh, he did not have the explosivity. Yeah, he played, so, but wasn't really there. So they haven't necessarily – I guess my, my point here is that they haven't faced their toughest test yet, and – Maybe the Tampa Bay Buccaneers are not that uh, end-all, be-all final boss that they need to face to get taken down. Mm-hmm. But it's Tom Brady. It's the playoffs. If the Bucks defense can put some sort of – if they can hold the Packers to inside 30 points, I think the Bucks have a really good chance to win that game. 
I think that's just a tough proposition is holding the Packers inside 30 points right now. I mean, I think the game plan for them is to do their best. Obviously, Tom Brady has to be the focal point of your offense if you're Tampa, but to to look and see what the Bears tried to do in Week 17 but but actually have the personnel and the quarterback to kind of execute it, they're going to need to be able to run the ball a ton. They're going to need to be able to run it well, and I think that's the one thing that Packers defense, if you want to take a look at and call it their weakness – yeah. Um, you can run the ball a little bit on that defense, especially if you have a good offensive line game. in front. Yeah, it's, I was going to more say Ronald Jones. Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but you're, no, you're going mean, to have a steady The point is, Rojo, Rojo has kind of been their, not their third down back, but um, if, they're, if they're running between if they're the running tackles, the ball, more if they're running than, between yeah. the tackles, we saw Fournette get a lot of touches. Ronald Jones is a little more, of their, they're kind of their spread back, their yeah. kind of utility knife, if you want to. So, whatever, that's, I think that's going to have to be more of their game plan. Obviously, then Tom's going to get his when it's time to push the ball down the field. Obviously, Bruce Arians won't be as hesitant and will have better plays drawn up than the Bears did. They have better weapons to throw to. But I, I think that has to be your game plan is we're going to hold on to the football because – the less that's, time that falls like, in Aaron Rodgers' so hands. That's so not Bruce Arians. Either. It's not. Bruce Arians is like, score the football, turn it over, score the football, turn it Like, that's like. I, I just, it's I, hard for sure me to that. see them winning a shootout with the Packers. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I, I mean, I know it's a long, long time ago that there's a formula. They did it earlier this year. They turned, the, they turned Aaron Rodgers over early and kind of made that offense more one dimensional, made them throw from behind. And hell, if Bruce Arians, Bruce Arians wants to win his way, he's going to have to get out to a quick early lead. Um, but that's. That's going to be an, uh, obviously an incredibly interesting game to watch, and I just it's going to be fun to be able to see Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs for the first time ever. And that's your, that's a great point right there. Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, first time ever. Aaron Rodgers, first time hosting an NFC title game, which is also at Lambeau stat. Field. There's just a ton on the line here from a historical standpoint, like the way that we're going to view these guys. Yes, they'll both have Hall of Fame busts, obviously, but. Will Aaron Rodgers be the guy who is just the NFC title game guy? And will Tom Brady be the guy who is, no matter where he went, won Super Bowls or mm-hmm. won conference title games? Because if you think about the era, for the last 20 years, Tom Brady has done the Michael Jordan thing where he's prevented world-class talent from yeah. reaching the greatest height. He's prevented. He just took down Drew Brees in the divisional round. Uh, thwarted his second Super Bowl potentially. He could take down Aaron Rodgers, thwart his second Super Bowl potentially. Mm-hmm. It's like an MJ versus Barkley type thing. I, I know Barkley never got one, but yeah. MJ versus Isaiah Thomas thing. He has dominated the era and will look to do again. We'll look. So, we'll look to do so again here on Sunday. Um, a lot of history at stake, and I can't wait to see it on the NFC side of things. Yeah, that's that's going to be a. I mean, both these games are really fun to watch. I was going to say I was going to. I would. I forgot what I was going to say there. Just move on. Well, move on. Let, I yeah, lost just, my let, train of thought. Let's hold off on picks and previews here for the NFC title game. Let's actually move back to the divisional round here. Talk AFC. Uh, Kansas City, Cleveland, 22 17. Looked like it was going to be a blowout then. Pat Mahomes. I mean, early in the game, he, he injures his toe, and it short, sort of like uh, the rushing is cut. The That's what I thought the situation. second injury was, too, because he was hobbling on the bench early, and then he got mm-hmm. up, and obviously he was getting helped off. But like, it's like, oh, okay, he just like he kind of got rolled up on, rolled down a little bit weird. It's like, oh, cool, he just jammed his toe again, and then he yeah. went in the tent. They like, talk about concussions. Like, oh. Yeah, and it, it, it didn't even look like. And I, I know people are going to say, "Oh, they're trying to manage. They're trying to manage the narrative here, so he could be out there on." It Sunday. didn't look like a concussion. It, it well, that's what they they changed the diagnosis yeah. to a uh, head neck nerve strain. 
So Which the is, way he got that up looks a lot more very, right. That the the actual moment where he gets injured looks more like a nerve thing, but mm-hmm. his reaction to it looked very concussive. Yeah. Comes up wobbly legs, not able to stand. His guys are holding him up. Looks a little bit dazed. Um, nonetheless, I, I mean, you get a performance down the stretch by Andy Reid and by your backup quarterback and Chad Henney. Chad uh, Henney. That gets the job done. Um, and anything is possible, I believe, was the line that Mahomes tweeted out after the game. But it was it was the perfect example for me in the final moments of that game. With the game on the line, lined up on fourth down, everybody thinks that you're just standing in shotgun, not going to snap it, trying to get a hard count. You got everybody with their guard down, and Andy Reid puts his big balls on the table and proves to everyone not just that he has that call in the bag, not just that he trusts his backup quarterback to make that play, but that he's unbothered by public perception. Because if you do not get that, and Chad Henney dumps one into the ground, or something goes wrong with the snap, or one of a thousand things goes wrong with that play and you give the ball, you turn the ball over on downs at midfield and give the Browns a chance to win the football game and move on, that never entered th- those scenarios. Yeah. I don't feel ever entered Andy Reid's head, and that's what allowed him to have the chutzpah to call that play and end Good word. the game. I mean, a- Andy Reid has always been a Andy Reid's always aired on the side of let's do it. It's never been aired on the side of caution. He's always aired on the side of aggressiveness. Yeah, but Matt, the way I'll ask you the question sure. is: Does Andy Reid call that same play? If he hasn't gotten over the hump last season, if he's still the never got it done guy, do you I think that that factored into that decision at all? I think in the back of his head, maybe, but I don't think he was like actively thinking, "Hey, I got my Super Bowl, I can go for this." I think in those situations, Andy Reid always wants to go for it. I just think the difference is what the criticism would have been. Um, I, I don't, I don't think in my head Andy Reid would have, you know, had they lost last year, he'd have been like, "Well, I don't, I'm, I'm going to punt this because I don't want to deal with the backlash if I don't get it." I think, I think, ten times out of ten, Andy Reid's a guy who thinks I'm going to go for that because I think it's the best thing for my football team. It's just now he, he 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 can explain it better if it doesn't go well, which is just a nice bonus for him. He can he can say, "I have a Super Bowl. I, I'm always aggressive. We just wanted to win the game." and no one would have, I don't think, faulted him there because his reputation, even without that Super Bowl before it, was yeah. one of the best coaches in all of football. It was just striking to me that in a postseason where we've seen Mike Vrabel, Mike Tomlin, other coaches cost their teams the game by punting it away. I, I applaud him for it. Andy that was Reed, the right. Andy Reid goes for it and controls the ball. He he, he essentially says. Yeah, maybe you're going to go 50 yards and beat us here, but if mm-hmm. we get these two yards, you never see the football. Yeah, and and playing it mentally that way, it, there's something to be said for that. Um, fantastic individual performances here on field for the Chiefs. Uh, Daryl Williams, Pat Mahomes. Uh, you got you got Travis Kelsey getting in the end zone, 100 plus yards receiving. Tyreek Hill, 100 plus yards receiving. Nicole Hardman had a couple nice rushes, couple nice receptions. It was the um, it was the complete performance from the Chiefs from an offensive attack standpoint, and then the defense makes the big play when they need to. Uh, Honey Badger comes up with the pick. Um, on the other side of this, I, I do want to applaud the Cleveland Browns, Baker Mayfield, not only for what they did on Sunday, but for what they did all, all season. season. 
Baker Mayfield, I mean, he's been met with more questions than anyone else in this league, and I think he answered a lot of them over the final 10 weeks of this season. I think he is that franchise quarterback that the Browns can hang their hat on and say he gives us the best chance to win as opposed to whatever the grass is greener on the other side. It's not going to be greener. Uh, Baker Mayfield, to me, is a top 10 quarterback in the NFL, and he proved that this season. So I want to ask you, uh, it's it's similar to Andy Reid going for on fourth and inches, obviously a completely different situation on fourth and eight, I think it was with three plus minutes left, but I've seen kind of opposite, they're not opposite, uh, both sides of that, you know, reaction. Some people are saying, oh, you know, you're Cleveland, you got to go for that. You can't give the ball back to Kansas City. Other people are saying, you know, oh, you punt that ball back to Chad. Field position wise, though, aren't they on their own like was, 30? Yeah, that's what, like their own 30. I heard a lot of, pretty much more people saying like, oh, you have to go for that. You can't give the ball back to Kansas City with a timeout. Like, you got I one think. timeout, you got the two-minute warning over three minutes. You give that ball back to Chad Henney and you tell your defense to make a stop. Like, I don't think you give it back to him on your own 30. The operative word there is Chad Henney. I yeah. think you have to take a much longer think about it if it's – Pat Mahomes mm-hmm. under center. That's a Chad Henney who just threw up a cookie interception yep. on the drive prior. So you feel a little bit better about getting the football back. Did you? No, you didn't. But I think that's revisionist history. I think if I'm Kevin Stefanski, I go through all the possible options in that moment and I come to that same conclusion. I don't think punting, fourth and eight is punting a go the ball. For it. Yeah, we're punting the ball away to Chad Henney, fourth and eight on our own 30. Uh, let's flip the field here. Hope for the best. Fourth and, and one it, from my own thirty. Yeah, I'm probably thinking about something different because I yeah. have Nick Chubb, I have Kareem Hunt, I have you know all those weapons offensively. Jarvis Landry, fourth and eight. Like that's not the odds of getting that aren't that great, especially how the Chiefs defense is playing. I don't think you can risk that. And I, I know you only got the one timeout, and you can argue about the timeout usage or the basically wasted timeout on the the challenging the Ty- Tyree Kill catch that was very clearly a catch. But I just I don't see going for it there with that much time still left on the clock. Yeah, an amazing catch by Tyreek there, uh, an amazing play by Henny to go get it to fourth and and a half yard, mm-hmm. uh, sticking his head in there, going to get thirteen and a half yards when they needed fourteen. Um, yeah, it's just a championship team that's going to continue to play at that championship level. And I know a lot of people were worried about uh, this off season, a couple departures defensively for the Chiefs. I know they were worried about you know paying everybody and how is this? How are we going to be able to keep this thing going from a salary cap standpoint? Thinking long term longevity of the ball club. That that's not what they're worried about. They're worried about winning as many Super Bowls as they can in this five year mm-hmm. span, and they're going to continue to be there on Championship Weekend as they are this coming weekend. Also, turns out when you're a, you know a very good organization run by re- good people, good football people, yeah, you're going to have to have some cap casualties, but you're also going to draft well and have veterans that are going to come play for you for cheaper that can save you some cap money. So that's a, yeah. that's a nice little perk to have there. It is for a, a team lovely. Like the Kansas City Chiefs. Lovely, lovely little perk. Um, what did? Uh, wait, I had something. Yeah. Uh, no, I got, I got, I got it, I got it. Uh, we we saw the reoccurrence, whatever you want to call it, of the ball through the end zone rule, the, the turnover and touchback. Oh yeah, everyone that's crazy got it. About the Do you think that's going to change at some point? I, I think it will, but I'm I, not as I'm not as like angry mob. I'm not angry up. mob. It's just another reminder. I think that like I w- I was angry mob when it happened to the Bears because I see both was, sides of the argument. I just I, I don't see, see I, the. I don't get see. I do. Someone I, for I, going I do. for the I end understand, zone. I understand because there becomes, again, a decided offensive advantage if you can, at the five-yard line, dive and throw the football 
out of the, through the end zone with zero repercussion other than it being maybe taken back out to the 20. If that's the repercussion. That's, I think, that's what I was going to say the rule yeah, should so that's be. The solution, be that's, the solution, that's the solution everybody's offering is you take it out to the 20-yard line. It would already be the largest penalized play in football outside of a spot mm-hmm. foul pass interference. Okay, again. I like I like that solution. I'll hear that argument. I'm not against that whatsoever. But the way the rule currently stands, you're you're penalizing the offense for doing. You're you're trying to keep it from giving the offense another advantage because it mm-hmm. is a decided advantage. If as a ball carrier, I know that I could lay out for the pylon and essentially throw the ball, and you got to send this to review. Mm-hmm. And the worst thing that can happen is we keep the ball and get it at the twenty yard line. That's yeah. not. That's like. That's again giving the ball carrier and the offense a decided advantage, and there's already enough of those in the NFL game, and that's coming from an offensive guy in myself. To change this rule and to slant it offensively, it again makes it super tough in that vein. Now, is it slanted a little bit too? Is the punishment a little bit too harsh right now? A hundred percent. That that that's a tough rule to turn over the ball on a bang bang play mm-hmm. that actually was targeting on the defense yeah. that dislodged the football anyway. So um, no rule, no solution is going to free us from a scenario where it, it's it's a little bit murky. Like this is this is football. Guys are flying around at twenty plus miles an hour, and the rules are very specific. Mm-hmm. We're gonna find these gray areas every single Sunday. Yeah. Um, does the rule need to be changed? Probably, but I'm not going to be the one, uh, you know, knocking on doors for signatures. You know, yeah, that's just not that. I'm just not that passionate about this rule change. I do because uh, you brought up the targeting too, that kind of lodged the ball out. I think something I might have even talked about on here. A more pressing rule that might need to be brought in, reviewed, looked at is the college targeting, like college targeting review system. Mm-hmm. Um, because they don't really have that in the NFL, and there were a couple. The I think it was the targeting on the Chiefs, and what game was there? Was it Ravens Bills where there was a, a pretty bad targeting call that they called targeting uh, on yes. the field, but it pretty yeah, much yeah, was not was at all Marcus targeting. Pe- no, it wasn't Marcus Peters. I forgot. I, whatever. I, I know you guys know what I'm talking about. Whatever. It was. It, I think it was Ravens Bills. It was a call that very much should not have been targeting, and had they looked at it, would have been overturned. But they don't have that rule in college. I get that you want to keep targeting in the game, and you should, but. That's something that needs to be looked at because if that's something they probably could have ruled in the Chiefs game, and that's something they absolutely could have ruled in Bills Ravens. Yeah, and it, it's um, it's a player safety thing. It it helps keep players safe. If you want, I, I know the NFL doesn't really care about that, but they want to give the image of caring about that, and that's something yeah. that can help you keep that image. I, I just think it's you know to go bigger picture here with rules and officiating. There are 256 games played in a regular season of the NFL. Add on how many games are played in the postseason. So let's say just shy of 300 games. How many games this year was the outcome directly impacted by a call? Good, bad, otherwise. By a fringe call that could be argued. Way too many. Mm-hmm. The The officials and the officiating are deciding football games. And we're not talking about... Pop Warner. We're talking about champion. We're talking about divisional weekends in the NFL. We're talking about championship weekend in the NFL. We're talking about pass interference flags not getting thrown, changing the course of a franchise in New Orleans a couple of years back. We're talking mm-hmm. about like these are 
these are franchise altering fan base affecting calls that are made they're being made or not made by it. it's got to get better is my point like these if these are your best officials in the world bring me the robot ref you know uh, like it, should, it just has not been good enough the referees have not been good enough year after year week after week it we're pointing out things that seem obvious now again we offered this before the season and we've offered this before if that means sky judge who's looking at the screens that the fans are looking mm-hmm. at and something appears obvious to us and he gets that to hit that buzz. button that says stop the game buzz down to the crew then make that happen i understand how difficult it is for these guys to officiate again 20 plus miles an hour flying around at the highest level if it's not if they're not capable of doing so there needs to be a construct within the game that allows them to get it right to um to remove themselves from the outcome of the game that's the goal keep everybody safe officiate the game and do not affect the outcome now and our, i think that that last thing is where nfl officiating is still falling short are nfl officials still technically part-time employees like aren't no, they I still think they're full, i think they're okay. full-time because that used to be the sure case right they were doing like I mean, some guys were lawyers during the week and then flying yeah. to Tampa on Saturday night to go ref a game in, in Tampa. On no, I, I think they have them like doing off-season consulting and stuff for the league. I okay. think it's all. I think they have other duties within the NFL, like not just they're yeah. not just showing up sixteen that, Sundays yeah, a week. No, that needs to be their full-time job, and if that's the move the NFL has made, that's 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 a good thing. Yeah, but even that full-time job, I'm sorry, you're fifty years old and your vision isn't what it used to be, and you're deciding. Uh, the, you're you're in, injecting yourself into the outcome of this game that has so so much effect monetarily, emotionally for the players, physically. Mm-hmm. It, it's just it's just got to get, get better. better. Oh, it's got to oh, get better. Change yeah. whatever rules you want to change. The impl- the the application of those rules needs to get better. Need a sky um, judge. Now back to your question about that the rule of the touchback. Yeah. If, if the Bears season just ended on that, yes, change the rule tomorrow. It, it's tough for the Browns fan base to sit here and stomach that rule because mm-hmm. it did affect the outcome of the game. But that rule was in that moment applied properly. Um, oh, targeting, yeah. however, targeting, however, was not. Yeah. Um, so a lot of moving parts, and like I said, it's always going to be a gray area, and we're all we're always going to find it on each Sunday. We just gotta. Try and get the refs out of deciding these football games. Matt, other AFC matchup on Sunday. Uh, Bills, Ravens. The Bills and the Ravens. Man, uh, the the Lamar playoff. I, I know we felt like we exercised some of those demons just a week ago with Lamar. He comes from behind. He gets his playoff win, sort of checks those two boxes that everyone was very critical of him. And then uh, and just this. wasn't just wasn't the MVP that he needed to be this week. It was I think that you know Ravens fans they can beat the drum and say he's our guy, he's the future of the franchise. But I don't know if that future ever includes a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson. And and, and yeah, this might be low hanging fruit to like kind of pile on a guy who just failed again in a big moment. But it, it, okay, let's put it this way: the four remaining quarterbacks are the greatest to ever do it, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, who's maybe the most prolific passer mm-hmm. of the football the game has ever seen, Pat Mahomes, who will be in both of those conversations barring bar yeah. any sort of injury by the end of his career, and Josh Allen, who's small sample size, but did a lot of those things at a very high level this season. Mm-hmm. If you want to win the Super Bowl, if you want to be there on championship weekend, go get a quarterback who can spin the damn rock. That, that, that's the long and short of it. I'm sure you could go back and look at the last 
six seasons worth of conference championship games and look at those four quarterbacks and those four quarterbacks are all going to be in the top third top quarter of passing yards and passing touchdowns that season yes what Lamar Jackson does is hard to stop it's amazing what he can do but in the playoffs you got to run the ball with your backs and you got to pass the ball with your quarterback yeah I and and to try and and to try and zig when they zag it's going to be hard to get to the ultimate mountaintop I think essentially what happened is you know obviously Lamar broke out like gangbusters two years ago or last year and then this year the league kind of adjusted to him it's time for the Ravens one he needs to get better throwing the football uh, especially down the field it's it's time for the Ravens to adjust back and I think the Ravens need to look at the team that just beat them uh what was Sunday or Saturday night Josh yep. Allen was, you know, when he he's obviously taken he off. Was this that year, but big he was very limited. He was a limit. He was a he was a running quarterback. who was a limited thrower throwing the ball down the field. He was inaccurate. They went. Obviously, he improved his craft quite a bit. But they went out. They got him. Uh, Cole Beasley was one of the more reliable receivers. You know, slot receivers in the NFL. Went out and got him. Stephon Diggs, who's had arguably arguably the best season for receiver this year in the NFL. I think he led the, the NFL in receiving yards. He's been fantastic. They went out and got him. Receiving John Brown, receptions. Who's, who's, a, who's a great weapon. They have a, a stable of running backs. They don't have one that's going to you know light the world on fire. They have Devin Singletary. Zach Moss was fine this year, TJ. They, they went out and got him a lot of weapons. The Ravens yeah. have done a very nice job of giving Lamar some running backs. But that, Lamar, he needs receivers. Well, it's, it's not and, what and that's he needs. The hope Lamar, that I, that's Lamar the hope is that a running back. Out. He doesn't need yeah. three more running backs. Marquise Brown is a very nice player. He's not Stephon Diggs. He's not a game-breaking talent. You need to, if you're no, going to win Brown, with Lamar Marquise Jackson. Marquise Brown is Miko Hardman. Yeah. So if you got Miko Hardman, to, that's great, but you need Travis Kelsey yes. and Tyreek Hill. If you're going to win with Lamar Jackson, which I still I, I still think you can win a Super Bowl with Lamar Jackson, You just he's not going to be the guy that's going to elevate your receivers to elite status. He needs those better receivers, me, exactly, better talent I to com- ele- elevate Lamar. I could Lamar. not agree more. I could not agree more. So let me add the qualifier that if Lamar gets those pieces around him and he learns how to amend his game, yes, he's got to he's yes, got to get better. He has the he has the he has the raw talent that is rare and you know hasn't been seen before the way he does it. But the way he's doing it right now is not championship caliber in, no. in terms of. Um, you know, just I'm not going to get here and talk about the biomechanics of throwing the football, but feet are never set, never really aimed towards his target, always just looking to like ad lib and make a play because going through your progressions isn't all that fun when your progression goes no. Mark Andrews, uh, run Marquise Brown, run like that. That's essentially part, what the pro- progressions are. Part of it's going to be on Greg Roman, too, to adjust this offseason because teams adjusted to him, and that's what you do in the NFL, and the great coaches yeah. adjust back. Obviously, it, it's might be a little bit of a tall task to say you need to completely revamp your offense and adjust on the fly in season. But now he's got a whole offseason and a talented athlete quarterback at quarterback and Lamar Jackson. He's got to kind of readjust his offense back. Um, and they need to help him out, like like we said, with weapons. I, I think if I'm the Don't. Ravens, I'm going out and, and targeting Allen Robinson. I think he'd be a great fit in that offense. Would, would give Lamar yeah. be a, a nice start yeah. to give him a really nice weapon to throw to a nice you know safety blanket to look at. Don't be the Chicago Bears would be Don't the cautionary tale. And I'm not saying that the Bears have ever had a quarterback with the God-given ability of Lamar Jackson because they simply have not. But. I'm saying don't be the Chicago Bears in the sense that don't um, don't put together this game breaker defense that the that the Ravens have had for the better part of I mean there's our been down lifetime. Year. Yeah, there's been down years, but you can take it back through the Ray Lewis years. Yeah. 
oh, let, let's say small sample size over the last four years with this group, and even just this last year, you add Calais Campbell, you add Yannick Ngakwe, uh, you extend Marcus Peters. Like, this defense is going to be good, and it's going to get you back to this scenario. You're going to have this opportunity again in the divisional round. Mm-hmm. Make sure that your offense is ready to match that, that production of your defense. Yeah. Um, little, also, little, this game is why you don't trust kickers. Uh, just don't yeah, do but it. Yeah, it was the wind was blowing. I, I don't. Just, give me Justin Tucker. I'm I know. I do. A million. Uh, days I'm a Cairo. It was the Santos first time guy. in his. It was the first time in his career he missed a, two kicks under 50 yards. I'm in the a same Cairo game. Santos guy. The wind okay. was whipping. I'm I'll a Cairo, Cairo Santos guy as well. Give me Cairo. Um, the Bills fans donated over three hundred sixty thousand dollars to Lamar Jackson's charity after the QB left with uh, with a head injury. Um, I don't know if we want to call it classy, but it's a move. Uh, nonetheless, hoping Lamar gets back to full health because, you know, that's what we kind of skated around here is he leaves in the yeah. middle of the third quarter. And I'm not saying that he should have been in that football game. No, no. He, he should not have. Um, but tough scene. And I'm not sure the outcome of that game changes if Lamar is in the game because uh, Lamar Jackson is just as capable of overthrowing Marquise Brown as Brent Hundley is because that changes the game there if he hits that deep ball. It just felt like they were beat when Lamar left, and it's unfortunate. I kind of want to talk before we move here about the other side. There, we're, we're talking about the team here that that lost, and you know, is, is going home, and, and their QB problems. Man, Buffalo, thirteen and three. They're what they would have without the. I think the Cardinals hail mary. They'd be on a twelve game winning streak right now. I, I think that's the case. Yep. And um, the other the other two losses were. COVID um, Yeah, they, they lost on like a so, Tuesday night to the Chiefs, I think. And the weird Titans, scheduling right? things, yeah. They have, I, never, they have never not showed this year. Here's what's what I love about them too, and obviously they still have to do it, but like both those playoff games left something to be desired. I, I think on Saturday night, I think they played fine. They did enough to win. I think offensively they left a little bit to be desired. The Colts, I think they played fine, probably could have put, put them away, didn't mm-hmm. play their best game at like, – I don't know if they're saving it for Kansas City, but like they have yet to play their best football game. And if that team finally does, I do think when they play their best football game, they're the best team left. They're the team to beat. Now they have to play that game, and I'm not sure they're going to um, because they haven't yet in the playoffs. But they, uh, when they're at their best, when they're clicking on all cylinders, man, that offense goes and that defense can play with anybody. Yeah. Uh, Vegas still sees the Buffalo Bills as the third favorite to win. Uh, Kansas City's are favored at two to one. Green Bay plus two twenty five. Buffalo plus three twenty five. Tampa four to one odds. Least likely to win the Super Bowl at this point. Uh, let's put some picks to this here, Matt. Let's pick these two games. Pick them straight up. Pick them against the number. Okay. Uh, starting with Kansas City, Buffalo. Uh, just straight up uh, knee jerk reaction. Who wins the game? Kansas City. Um, I, I think love, Kansas City I as love well. Buffalo. Uh, I, I honestly, I. I think I want them to win because I love watching them. I love Josh Allen, love the story and all that. And I just, I'm not, it's it's getting to the point where like with the Patriots, I, I'm not going to be the guy that loses picking against the Patriots. If I lose, if I lose a pick, it's going to be because I'm betting on, you know, close yep. to the sure thing. I just, the Kansas City Chiefs are at home in the AFC championship game in the playoffs until somebody knocks them off. Uh, I'm not going to pick against them. And I do uh, think Mahomes I, is going to play. Obviously, it's contingent on Mahomes playing. Yeah, I like Kansas City straight up. I, I think that if we do look at the number here, Kansas City laying three sort of tells you that Pat Mahomes is going to play. Vegas always knows something about something. Um, mm-hmm. So I would take that into account. But with that said, give me Buffalo getting the three because I'm betting against not only Pat Mahomes and a stiff neck, but Pat mm-hmm. Mahomes and a banged up foot, a uh, banged up toe. 
And like we just said, a very, very capable Buffalo Bills team. Give me the underdog catching points. I'm very, I just, that game's going to be so much fun to watch. Yeah. I'm really, I'm, I'm excited for both of them. Obviously, Tom versus Aaron Rodgers for multiple reasons. The the, the story behind those two, the, the history, but man, Patrick Mahomes and Josh Allen, that seems like a matchup that we're going to see a, a whole lot in the AFC championship game in the next, you know, five, 10 years. Sign me up every January. I, I wouldn't mind that matchup at all. Uh, Matt, let's not pick this NFC game. Uh, I want to tee you up here for what sure. is just a noble, noble lock of the week. Can I am take a, us through the thought process here? Uh, well, I stink, if you guys haven't realized that. I'm just, I'm, I'm in a slump. And I was, I, I thought I was coming seven out and of 12. it. I thought I seven was coming out of it. I got myself back to seven and eight. And I was like, all right, we're right back here. We're knocking on 500's door. And then, then that stopped happening again. So I'm going to do the noble thing here. I'm six here. and one over the last seven weeks. Just You're rolling. There. You're rolling. Uh, there's there's no doubt about it. Uh, I'm, I'm going to do the noble thing here, and my lock of the week uh, is – do you have that uh, line open? Can you give me the number? Uh, by, Green by Bay chance? Packers are laying three and a half. I am going to lock it up with the Green Bay Packers laying the three and a half. <laughs> there is no doubt in my mind they cover that win easy. It's just it's – e- it's an easy bet. It's an easy Matt bet. Matt Rooney. The, it's, it's the Packers the at home. Job. You got the You got Tampa coming up to Green Bay. The guys that have been playing in the dome, warm weather all year, coming up into the cold, the Lambeau where it's going to be snowy. No chance that quarterback can play well in the snow. Oh, uh, yeah, it's just the Packers by a million. No, no doubt about it in my mind. Lock it up. Matt, easiest pick I've ever made. Matt Rooney using his powers for evil here. Good. Locking up using the it for good. Packers. Using it for good. I don't know where we're at um, on good, bad, or otherwise, um, but I respect for the, the heck For this of, viewership, it's, it's good. I, I respect the heck out of mushing the Packers, laying three and a half. Matt Rooney locks them in. Uh, he is currently sitting at seven and twelve on the season, and perhaps this mush will push him to seven and thirteen. He's throwing away his record for the good of the order, and mm-hmm. God, you gotta respect it. Yeah, for I- me, you get down to these last two games, anything can happen. I don't love either of these lines, so I'm taking us off the beaten path here. Going to give us a prop to take a look at. I like Travis Kelsey over six and a half reception yards. That's paying you plus money at plus one twenty five right now. So uh, take that twenty five cents. Say thanks later. But I like Trav over six and a half. He's gone over that number, I believe, 12 of their 17 or excuse me, 12 of their 18 games this year. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a volume pass catcher this time of year. You go to your guy. If Pat Mahomes is a little lame on that foot, maybe he gets a couple freebies around the line of scrimmage too. Uh, maybe they dial up one of those. Uh, Travis Kelsey coming under the line of scrimmage shovel passes that shouldn't be a, a reception, but is a reception. I just think that Trav is going to eat um, come playoff time, and six and a half seems maybe two receptions too low for me. I like Travis Kelsey, 10 receptions, 120 yards on Sunday. Give me that over the six and a half. Yeah, I think the hobbled Mahomes, too, because even if he plays, he's going to be a little bit, with with the toe, with the head, whatever, mm-hmm. a little bit not quite 100%. And I, I think you're going to see him tend to lean back on old reliable, reliable a little bit more over the middle on Travis Kelsey. I like that. Anytime you get a star player, with props like that at plus odds, I think it's worth the roll of the dice, especially in a uh, big situation like this one. I, I completely agree. I am also contractually bound to say uh, this Sunday on CBS, it's the defending Super Bowl champions taking on the Buffalo Bills. Tune how, in. How do you feel that I, being a mush, said I like your bet? I just thought of that. That wasn't on purpose. You've liked all of my bets, Matt. That's you true. Just I'm just, they just haven't come out of your mouth, so I, have, I, I put that's no fair. credence hey, that's into fair. that. It was, it was worth an ask. Yeah, your one bet, your one bet that you've won over the last 
10 weeks was. was mine. It was when you took... Oh, uh, I didn't you stole, take anything from you. I you just stole said one of my you did. I forget what it was, but you said it before I did. And yeah. that was my one loss and your one win. So I feel completely fine. That's I fine. feel completely okay. fine. Okay, jeez. You don't have to be mean about it. Like, I'm, uh, sometimes man, you while do. he's down, why don't you? Sometimes Jesus. you do. Uh, Matt, you want to go to some NBA storylines here? Uh, yeah, let's do that. Where, where do you want like, to do, do it? I was, you want, do you want to start? You want to talk Bulls? Here? Cause I got a note for you. Yeah, let's do that. Uh, let's, let's talk about the Bulls. I actually uh, want to talk about the Chicago Bulls. This is weird. This is new to me. Very interesting. I'm going to take you to the wagering window first here because I'm tracking a trend that no one else is on right now. All right. The Bulls currently 10 and four against the number this Best season. Best in the NBA. Covering at a 71.4% clip. Clear of the San Antonio Spurs, who are at nine and five, a sixty-four percent mm-hmm. clip this season. They are cashing the most tickets this year, best in the NBA. But what's interesting is when you look at the team that covered the most last season, the Oklahoma City Thunder, forty-eight and thirty-one against the number. Essentially, take your money and put it in Billy Donovan's pocket. Thank us later. It, it, he is the cover king. And wherever he goes, my money goes at this point. He's got the Bulls humming right along, not just against the number, but staying in ball games. Yes, winning some of them, not winning some that you should have. Uh, Zach Levine's had some late looks, uh, just career nights, and then got a late look to mm-hmm. win a game a couple times and just hasn't been able to convert a couple big turnovers earlier in the week. But those are the growing pains that are going to be there. I think you can only be positive about what the Bulls have done this season. Yeah, I, and I think I owe an apology to Zach Levine. Um, I, I think that we both of us are a little bit critical about what we think he could be. And I, I think under Billy Donovan, whether that's the you know belief in a new coach, belief in a new system, belief more in the roster, the, the guys coming along under under, under Billy. Um, obviously, he's still the volume scorer. He's always he has an insane amount of talent. And he's going to score a lot of points, but. He's showed a little bit more effort, willingness to play defensively. He's shown a little bit more effort, willingness to distribute the ball, to move the ball around offensively. Uh, he's grabbing a few more rebounds. Like, he's doing a little bit more mm-hmm. of everything now, um, whether that's happiness under the coach, whether that's – I was going to say, he's system, not at odds like, with the yeah, guy who he's got to talk to and work with him. It's, it, it's refreshing to see, and my opinion of him is changing because he's he hasn't – he still he, he's changed his game, but hasn't sacrificed his scoring in a way. And I, I think the game against Dallas on Sunday that they they kind of blew out the Mavs one pretty easily was something we never would have saw from him last year. He got yes. out of the gate shooting pretty bad. He only finished with ten points, but he realized it was more of a night that he didn't really have much of it. He finished the game with a double double. He had ten points, ten assists. The uh, the game in Portland a few weeks ago, like he wasn't shooting all that well. He started distributing the ball a little bit more, and then when it was time to hit a you know a game winning three at the end, he nutted up and hit it. Like he has been a a different player. He's been more of a player you can win with this year, rather than just a guy who's going to score a lot of points in a, in a twenty point yeah. loss. And that has yeah. everything to do with the guy they're playing for. Um, I think that you know it's something that Bulls fans can be excited about. Yes, you want to see more of these games turn into wins so you can get into the back end of that Eastern Conference playoffs conversation. Um, but it has just been a breath of fresh air. Uh, it, it has been somewhere to park your money if you like sprinkling a side on, uh, on some NBA action each and every night. So I've been very impressed by the Bulls. Now, if we're mm-hmm. going to talk about the gold standard of the Eastern Conference, that was on display on Monday night when the Bucks oh, yeah. the Brooklyn Nets. Uh, just a thrilling finish. Points everywhere. No stops. Who needs them? Um, and the Nets come out with a two-point victory over the Bucks. How big of a statement was that for you? Because I know for me that was like the you got to go through us type statement. You know, that, that obviously that, that regular season wins um, aren't 
ever that huge to me, but I think that one was as much of a statement win as you can kind of have in the regular season because yeah. that was essentially the Eastern Conference Finals preview. Um, and for me, it came in the post-game press conference of James Harden. I know there's been a little bit of a debate of, you know, is, is Harden going to be okay with kind of being a number two, a 1A type guy to Kevin Durant? And at least in his comments in the post game, who knows how he can change? He pretty much said, "Like I'm here to make Kevin as good as he can change. be, because you Kevin is he's a he's, anybody he's, can change, uh, change sure whatever you want to call it." But he seemed more than willing to in the in the final moments there be like, "Yeah, yeah, like I'm really good. I'm going to no, score a lot of points." But Kevin's whether or not whether or not he's going to change, whether or not he sees Kevin as the guy, he is aware that he is standing next to the greatest scorer currently in the game right now. Possibly one of the top four greatest players to ever put a ball in the hoop. And I'm not saying top five greatest of all time, but pure scorers. Show me seven feet ever with the tools that Kevin Durant has. You can't. Because he is every bit of seven feet. And tell me about Wilt and how he scored 100. Tell me about Kareem and he was unstoppable. Tell me about they were completely uh, just uh, – they were they, – there was no – they were peerless in their game. Fine. Could they shoot it from 30 feet? Could they dribble drive and come up and pull up and hit a knockdown three to win a game? Could they, could they cross over a defender, get into the paint, pull up off the left foot and hit it with the right foot? Pull up off the right foot and hit it with the left hand? Like – Kevin Durant has every single tool in his tool belt, and he seems to be healthy. I still do have a queasiness just because of the nature of his injury, but he looks to be at 100% health, and he looks to be trusting in his body right now. Way too early, but that's the MVP. That's that's leader in the clubhouse for me right now, MVP in the NBA, comeback player of the year. Give him all the awards. It's been amazing. Do they need Kyrie Irving? No. Is it going to be scary when he gets there if Kyrie Irving can put his ego to the side and do what James Harden's doing right now? Yes. Do I think that's a big question mark? Of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but the Brooklyn Nets, they're a fun group right now. Uh, you add Kyrie Irving to the mix, if you can get it to mold, they become the team to beat. I, I don't care who the Los Angeles Lakers add. That's a trio versus a duo. Mm-hmm. and um, That's and Brooklyn. team to beat. I think Brooklyn right now, um, they're a juggernaut. And if if they can keep a positive room, uh, they're going to be tough to beat in any stadium. Yeah, and it, you you touched on Durant. I mean, Achilles injuries a lot of times change guys. They don't come back the same. And Kevin Durant doesn't really look like he's missed much of a beat. I mean, he looks no, like same and, old KD. And and think of his think of his rehab in the sense that. There wasn't any question of should we try this at twelve months? Should no, we try this guys, at eleven. Like, we're months? out. I'm out. I'm not we're out. This year. And last year, no question, we're out because of this bubble, because of the delay, because of all those things. Yeah. Um, from injury to restart, I, I don't know how long it was, but I want to say it was north of like fifteen months, mm-hmm. somewhere around he there. Had more than enough time. Um, I, I don't know how much that plays into it, but um, you, you know. Just happy to see that we have one of the game's great talents, if not the greatest talent the game has to offer, back on display in full force, uh, leading the league in points per game and showing no signs of slowing down. Awesome stuff there. Um, One note I do want to add here and go back to the Bulls game, uh, specifically against the Mavericks. In that Bulls-Mavericks game, completely broke my brain. Luka Doncic surpassed Michael Jordan on the the triple-doubles list. Wild. He's What? 
Yeah, I mean, if we get Jordan, like twofold there that Mike only had twenty eight triple doubles in his career, and that Luca in his third third season, yeah, in his third season already has twenty nine. I just it feels to me like triple doubles are becoming more and more like commonplace than they ever have been. Like, oh, cool, Luca had a casual triple double last night. Whereas, like ten years ago, somebody gets a triple like, double. What? Like that's leading off Sports Center. Yeah. I don't know if that's the way I, I the game's I don't going, know, whatever. I don't but. know what that's a product of because, uh, I, yes, the game is offensively, like points per game offensively has spiked over the last 15, 10 years. Yeah. But that's only points. Like, how do you explain a guy like Luka Doncic being so involved in the flow of the game I mean, that he's ripping 10 boards? And I think a lot of it has, has become possibly, you know, we talk about basketball being more of a positionless game, whereas, you know, in the older yeah. days, you had guards stayed up top, whereas now, you know, you, you got a six, seven point guard, whatever, however tall Luka is, six, seven, six, eight, whatever, um, guy who's, you know, now switching off to guys down in the post and being able to play down there and being able to grab boards. I, I think it's just be more a product of how positionless basketball is kind of starting to become, or not starting to become, has become over the past few years. Uh, Matt, got anything else for the people here? I know we got Poirier McGregor coming up. That's what I, I want. Know. We we were going yeah. uh, we, we to I mean, talk Blackhawks, but I don't want to. They just make me sad. Uh, they're very bad at hockey, and that's my hockey minute. Uh, um, fade them. Yeah, fate, yeah, that is very – Todd Furman, literally every single hockey segment we do, Todd Furman, if the Hawks are playing, he's like, this is my best bet. He bets against the Hawks. He said he's going to do it all season. And if they're not playing, he goes, you know, Joe, we don't have your Blackhawks to fade yesterday's going to be hard. He, Todd, Todd's like, right. So and quite the, the other, if you're looking for some, some props just outside of Moneyline spread, is take the team the Hawks are playing, take their team total over. Uh, it's, exciting it's Blackhawks news, though. I do have a signed Marion Hosa jersey on the way, which is Jeez, which is huge. That, that which is, is, which is man cave news. man cave material for the rest of time. So. I do love that. That's a fantastic purchase. Yeah. Um, no, 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 not a purchase. Not a purchase. Gift. Friend of a friend. Gift. You know. Don't worry about it. Joe knows a guy. It's under the table. Got it. I got a guy who's got a guy. Okay, that's fair. We all got guys. Um, I wanted to ask you, we, we usually do this in, in buy or sell form, but yeah. a little bit too part of the UFC. Obviously, we got McGregor Poirier, and everybody knows what to expect. From that's that. it. And, and Don't even bother me with a question about well, that. Well, that's what I want. Is, is there anything? The co-main, the the co-main's a good fight. The co-main's a good fight, but who, who's it's in that almost one? like Hooker and not, there, uh, Hooker? Yeah, Dan Hooker and um, I don't even remember who it is okay. now. Uh, UFC. Any gambling tips for the people that you've heard from your people? Um. Because usually, not yet. I'm, I'm not doing a lie. preview Mike, segment. Mike I'm doing a preview always, segment today. Mike's always the one that asks me about this, and he's like, "Oh, tell me about the undercard." I, I know it's not that he actually cares. Dan Hooker, he Michael Chandler, going to be a great fight. Okay. Um, what else do we like on this card? Yeah, the rest of the main card. Uh, not great. Jessica I is a great female fighter. Okay. Uh, Joanne Calderwood. I'm not sure I know much about her. Prelims. Let's see if there's any young names on the prelims card. Uh, maybe maybe after you guys do your preview, give the people like a like a like a pick of the uh, yeah, an, undercard, I'll shoot out a, an undercard gambling pick on on Twitter. I mean, if you have the stomach for whatever crazy odds Connor's going to be, bet Connor because just the way these two guys are talking about the fight, Connor's in this like supreme confidence mode where it doesn't come from a place of um, it doesn't come from a place of hubris. It comes from a place of Zen. Like he's exactly where he needs to be mentally to just absolutely pick apart uh, Dustin Poirier. And Poirier is kind of like the anything can happen out there. Like yeah. 
he's just not talking the way you need to talk to take down someone of the stature of Conor McGregor. Um, anytime Conor steps into the octagon, I mean, outside of Habib and maybe, I mean, if you make a couple other crazy matchups, Conor's going to be a big-time favorite. But um, that'll be the case here on Saturday. I'm not looking at the number, but I'm going to try and pinpoint stoppage in a round because I think Conor stops Poirier late first, early second. Okay. Um, Conor's kind of been twofold in the way he wants to do this. He said he predicts he can knock out Poirier in a, in the first 60 seconds, but he also wants a fight. Um, his last time out a year ago against Cowboy Cerrone... Ended a, quickly. Ended quickly. He, he wants... I think he's in his ascent back to the top and title contention he wants a test and I'm not sure that he dances with Poirier for two, three rounds to get that test. But, um, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of second round stoppage right now. Um, and you can always get plus money if you can pick a round, but, uh, yeah, I'll I'll tweet out a pick here at at some points, maybe something else later on the card after we do this preview segment, but it's a counter fight week, um, buy the pay-per-view, steal it, do whatever you need to do. But, uh, it is, don't 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 wink. Don't steal it, people. We don't promote crime on the. Yeah, no, 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 don't, don't, do don't do that. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't um, do that here. But watch the fight. Any watch way the you fight. Can, That's better. Way to any way it. you have to, because if fight sports are for you, if they aren't for you, if you're on the fence, um, there is a there is a certain gravity to Conor McGregor that I'm going to be very interested to see how that gravity um, translates in an empty octagon. I feel like you're still going to feel it, despite. You know, all of Ireland not being there for him. Yeah, he's just—he's just such a figure that um, anytime that that figure takes the field of play, you got to have your eyes. So here, here's a—I got one last Connor question, then I, I'm all good. I'm done. What do you think? Is, I mean, you you expect him to win and win fairly easily. Yeah. What's next for Connor? Because I know Habib, there was, that, that's what I was—I was, I was kind of hinting at. I didn't want to bring it up out of fear you might yell at me. No, um, so two things I mean, can Dana, happen. Dana and Khabib just met recently talking about basically, basically Dana trying to convince Khabib to, to come out for one more fight. I mean, and is that Habib's, what they're angling for here? Well, Khabib said, and his response was, if Dustin, or Con- if, if, if Dustin and Connor show me something, was his quote, then he'll have to entertain coming back. He did not commit to it because okay. he, he, he did retire uh, on his mother's wishes, yeah. and he'd have to get that blessing, Khabib. Um, he, the numbers would have to be. He'd have to be getting a Connor type. I mean, that that I'm would sure be the biggest would. UFC fight of all time, and but would one hundred percent. But if if he stays if he stays retired after what he sees here at two fifty seven, then Dana will force Habib to vacate his belt. Yeah, and, and that's just that's just the reality I mean, yeah, of fighting sports. Retired, if you're not yes. if you're not fighting, if you're retired, the belt is back up for grabs. In which case. Uh, McGregor, I mean, make the fight here uh, at, at 155, at 165, a catch weight. I mean, there's there's so much talent in the lightweight division, in the middleweight division, that a number of fights could be made for that belt, but it's Connor versus somebody. Okay. Um, so I figured I it was that, him, but just who else? I think that if Connor, if Connor gets this decided finish here against Poirier, maybe he buys uh, Habib a little bit more time and fights one more fight this year because. He said it last year. He wanted to fight three times, only got one fight in because of the pandemic. He mm-hmm. said it again this year, would like to fight three to four times. So I don't know if Connor's in a rush to go get that Habib fight right on the tail end of this. Maybe they set up something with um, – I, I, don't, I don't even know who, who he'd want. I, I think they've talked about 
maybe another fight with Nate, but I don't know how many people want to see that. Uh, Nate definitely wants to get back into the octagon right now, Diaz, mm-hmm. that is. But a um, lot of lightweight talent, a lot of lightweight contenders, a um, lot of fights to be made, whether that's prior to a title fight or on a title fight. I think that if we saw, see a great performance out of Connor here, they try and line it up with Habib because that'll be the biggest MMA pay-per-view of all time, like you said. That would be, uh, that, that's what we're all hoping for. Yeah. Um, I think that's going to do it uh, for this episode of the Moose and Ruth podcast, episode 190. Thank you for bearing with us here. I, I know Matt came in a, a little bit uh, a, bit, a little, oh. little bit lethargic, as did I. Oh. Point, point, yeah, I point was is, not lethargic. Point, point is, you get the boys into the flow of the game, and yeah. we start. We start Credit you know, me, making, I did that entire podcast without coffee. I think that we just need to put that Listen. on T-shirts. We need yeah. to put that on T-shirts. Credit me, in quotes. Matt Rooney. <laughs> Matt Rooney. <laughs> Credit we we both used that line at some point here on the podcast <laughs> before, Joseph. We we were both people who like to, to to pump our own tires. Hey, hey credit me. You got to just credit me sometimes. Credit oh, me for owning up to that. I, I just picked. Uh, I just pulled up the uh, the light lightweight UFC rankings just to double back here. Sure. Habib at the top. Poirier is actually two, uh, and then it goes Justin Gaethje, Charles Oliveira, Tony Ferguson, Dan Hooker, Rafael dos Anjos, uh, even down to Paul Fetter. Like there are. Ally of Quinta has talked some noise about Connor. Like one through ten, you can make any fight there in the lightweight ranks. They don't have Connor in lightweights. I believe they have they have him at the middle in the middleweight ranks. Okay. Or welter excuse me, welterweight, because welterweight's one seventy. Uh, I think they have him in the welterweight ranks. So when you go to welterweight, um, you can make a number of other fights there. Uh, Kamaru Usman is not a problem anybody wants. Colby Covington is a fight you can make. Gilbert Burns, Masvidal's a tough out. Um, Tyron Woodley. Nate Diaz. That's where when you step up, Neil Magny, you step up in weight to that 170 where Connor is comfortable still. Yeah. There's some problems up there. Um, so I think that you try and make one of those lightweight fights. And uh, and like I said, Habib or bust. But uh, anytime Connor gets into the ring, could be against Matt Rooney. I am signing up uh, to watch as I, I have a this chance. weekend. Oh, Jesus Christ. I got uh, some fight on him. Thoughts and prayers uh, to Matt Rooney in that scenario. Uh, and always, thank you for listening to this episode. Keep those, keep those hands up. Of those the hands Roots up. Roots podcast. Protect your chin at all times. Uh, we will have full wrap up of Championship Weekend and the Connor fight next week on Moose and Roots 190. We'll talk to you then, people. May God give you for every storm a rainbow, for every tear a smile. For every care, a promise, and a blessing in each trial. I swear I've seen a lot of stuff in my life, but that was awesome. <laughs> Chicken on the steak was phenomenal. <laughs>